Welcome to Game Dev Stories, a series on the Twin Geeks, where we go over inspiring stories of developers who uh, have uh, cult followings and legendary um, developers in the industry. We talk about how developers come to fruition, uh, processes, and kind of uh, postmortems on what game development looks like. Uh, today, I'm joined by Carlos of the incredible uh, uh, Chilean team, Ace Team. Carlos, how are you? I'm very good, thanks. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. What is your family story behind video games? Uh, we were three brothers. Actually, the name of Ace Team comes from the Andres, Carlos, and Edmundo. So uh, Andres and I are two uh, twin brothers, and Edmundo is a younger brother. We were always very interested in games uh, ever since our dad bought. I'm talking way back when he bought a Mac Plus. This is a computer which had a 320 pixels wide and 200 pixels high uh, resolution, mm. black and white pixels. <laughs> and uh, the like the hot game at the moment on on that computer was Dark Castle. I know the angry video game nerd has made fun of it because of, he played it on this Sega Genesis, but it was quite a legendary uh, uh, game on, on the Mac. Mm. Uh, and ever since we fell in love and we like sort of had our history uh, going from from that to through the progression of technology with video games, we started with modding and, and, and got all the way to game development. Were Doom and Quake the first games that made you want to make your own games? Not at all. Actually, the uh, there was there's a Flash uh, game that we released as sort of a Easter egg sort of joke some uh, years ago, which was called the Malstrom Expansion, okay. which was in, inspired by another Mac game that we played uh, earlier uh, when we we were uh, at that time when I was very young which was called Shadowgate. So it's one of these typical screens where you have like a, like a room and you're looking at it from first person and you have like a torches or maybe a door and it might be a skeleton or something right, right there. And you, you have an inventory and you need to kind of figure out what needs to be done. So we had all the pixel art for, for instance, for that game done in Super Paint, which is like a really, really old granddaddy of uh, Adobe Photoshop. Hmm. Um, so we made all the UI, all the uh, design for the game. But the, the 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 funny thing about is that the three brothers, each each one of us, was much more interested in art and design of video games rather than programming. So we would have all these interesting like designs for projects that we weren't able to realize because. None of us got into programming, so it wasn't until many years after where we were older and basically had a completely different set of tools. Back then, mm -hmm. in the 1980s, we would have had to program it in very uh, low-level programming languages, but now with the, the, something like Flash, you could get away with doing something like that without having to be such like a hardcore programmer. Mm -hmm. Would you say Shadowgate, Doom, Quake uh, shaped some of the influence for the future of the company, or have you kind uh, of defined your own path? Uh, I would say definitely the early, the I mean, not only games but also the uh, 
movies and uh, everything that we got to experience uh, surrounding the 80s, early 90s was a very big influence on our creative uh, process. Um, I feel that uh, back then, for instance, uh, fantasy was less homogeneous than after the rise and uh, like uh, of the Lord of the Rings, like sort of became such a huge um, influence on the way uh, fantasy was treated. So, uh, but back then, uh, a lot of medieval fantasy, uh, even if you look at the illustrations and, and stuff that you would see on D and D uh, books was more out there, more creative. Uh, for instance, the inspiration for the visual style of Xenoclash is from punk fantasy, which is something that was pretty cool from the 1980s, but didn't transcend beyond maybe that, that time period. You don't mm -hmm. see much of it almost anywhere these days, which is a shame because I find it a lot more inspiring and interesting than the traditional fantasy. It's not to say that I don't enjoy the more conventional, like, Wizards with pointy hats and the dragons with breathe fire and 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 the knights in shiny armor that we see every day in 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 our media, but it seems so limited to be stuck with these uh, only these representations for what is uh, fantasy, uh, and there's a lot that has been lost uh, over the years, um, and it's a little bit of a pity. There is a sense in some of your games that we live in. Uh, anarchic society and what it means to live in a world. Um, uh, what is the worldview that informs that? Do you feel it's political? Mm, I wouldn't say that we're trying to make any political statement. I think that we're mostly trying to immerse people in worlds that are very unique and that they really take you somewhere you're, you haven't been. So in the case of the Xenoclash games, there's punk fantasy as as the visual uh, interpretation from or maybe political statement it's anarchy there's a whole sense of lawlessness and lack of order so we did study a lot about the concepts behind uh punk philosophy and uh, what things uh like we went really deep into the, these things and uh, when we were trying to get the visual style and 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 the, the concepts behind the, the the characters of the world and everything for the world of Xenoclash, which is the world of Xenoclash. Um, so so yeah, but we've done several different games. I've been talking mostly about Xenoclash, but if you think about uh, Rock of Ages with Monty Python's style of <laughs> humor, like yeah. the cutout animations, it's directly inspired by the, uh, these uh animations done by terry gilliam that were in the monty python animated show so uh we've 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 dealt with a lot of different topics there's a lot of surrealism in these games as you yes. say from like the monty python and uh almost like there's more of a fine art background there do you all have backgrounds in art uh not um not academically uh mm. but we are very artists like a um, like have a we're good art artists basically at school I was kind of like the best uh, artist in, in my in my class even though I didn't pursue a career in art 
but we, I, I would say this, uh, this comes from also looking at a lot of uh, interesting fine art. Uh, my dad was interested in, in fine art. and had collections of books on the shelf of our home where you would see uh, Hieronymus Bosch uh, and uh, other artists, which is not traditionally what you would see from uh, other places because they're so like these kind of biblical themes and surreal, very surreal, like the triptych of the Hieronymus Bosch with the, with the heaven and the hell, like the hell. I, I still remember focusing on the the I think it's the right side the, 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 of the triptych, the hell one, where you mm. have all these really crazy and really creative uh, ways they were depicting like uh, these creatures and everything, and fascinated as a child. I think, um, yeah, fine arts is also um, something that you can see within uh, art games. There's, a, there's inspiration from Dali, um, yeah, many, many, many different artists. You say you were the uh, best artist in your class. How would your twin brother feel? Or how uh, is there a rivalry between <laughs> creating a family business? Mm, no, fortunately, we've actually um, sort of uh, divided our strengths on different mm. uh, areas. So we do tend to do a lot of the same things, uh, the three of us. But there has been um, more a, a specialization on uh, on certain fronts. For instance, in the Mundo, the youngest is now like the lead technical artist, and he he can do like magic with a real engine on, on on visual things that things that even without being a programmer, he can trans like use very creatively the tools to do some shaders and stuff that, that that's really cool. Uh, Andreas and I work more on global game design, on uh, like uh, the concepts, like the ideas behind the mechanics of our games. Um, uh, but I, but the truth is that we do a lot. Andres does work on our particle visual effects. I do animation, level design. Like we will still be, we we're still at, at core a independent studio. And I think that one of the things that is very rewarding is that despite uh, our, our studio already being several over a decade, uh, almost like two decades in, in development, the founders, we still are very much in the process of game development and we haven't maybe um, over the years uh, transformed our, our responsibilities more into a management position, which is what I, I've seen happen a lot Especially yeah. in, in in other studios of similar size, here you would you will see that, for instance, the the studio owner starts out as a programmer, and as the studio matures and he hires more people, and the projects become larger, he becomes more of a manager and than actual game developer. But we've <laughs> never wanted to that. So so we're terrible at managing the the studio. And we have problems all the time, uh, but at least we get to do what we like. That is almost a benefit in some way, right? Because you get to yeah. work on the creative side. And I like looking through the um, the games you've developed, there is like a consistent voice there. And uh, you didn't lose any of it by having to seek out the publishing side. Um, but you have had interesting publishing partners. Like, how, di how did you all first meet with Atlas? That... They actually came to us because really? of the okay. success. Yes, uh, Xenoclash 
did pretty well on Steam when we launched it and they took notice of it. So they wanted a port for the game on the Xbox uh, Live Arcade, uh, which was basically the the digi digital gaming scene on the consoles before was much more limited. It wasn't like digital distribution was, uh, there was a segment of games that belonged to this like limited um, area for uh, games that were downloaded. Now it's, it doesn't matter. You're basically, all games are basically digitally downloaded. So they came to us, and through that experience, we later got uh, to pitch them other titles. And since Rock of Ages was the very first game that we did together, where they actually acted uh, as a publisher in terms of the from the game's conception to the actual uh, full development, uh, and it was a, a big success for the studio. We basically ended up doing like I don't remember like six games together. Mm. Um, what what game do you think best defines the studio? If someone wants to find out about like the identity of what you've done, wow, that's a that's a tricky one because we've actually had um, we have people who have told us this game is the best one you ever did. This <laughs> one is uh, like it really depends. Uh, like like for instance, one of our not most successful titles. Um, but that a lot of people really liked um, was the Deadly Tower of Monsters, hmm. which is a, like a B. It's a game that's trying to make you believe you're watching a B movie from the 1970s, even the 50s, like the, the silver screen monsters that from back in the time. The, the things that were are even old for when. <laughs> For me, that I'm already old. <laughs> sure. Um, and that game garnered a lot of uh, fans, uh, even though it wasn't commercially by no means uh, one of our best performing titles. But if I had to guess, maybe the Xeno Crash series is the one which has encompasses the most of the studio into like the core principles of our of our titles. It's because it's also three games. Uh, Clash Artifacts of Chaos, I would say, is the most polished of the three, the, our, our most recent game. Mm -hmm. um, and it, I, I feel it does something that the two previous ones were not capable, we, we, we couldn't achieve because of uh, technical limitations. And it is marrying the, um, uh, the visual identity of the game, not only from a design point of view but also with a rendering like unique rendering with all the other aspects of the game which are very creative so in clash we if you play it it's a game that the way the game looks it's almost like a pencil hatching like a, like it was drawn like with a very fine pencil artist did like these strokes and and, and it's very artistic the, the visual identity of the game so the design of our characters are also represented in this very unique uh, style, and uh, uh, I feel that uh, makes the game stand out uh, a little bit above the other previous two. It's it's also I think one of the best games we ever did. I'm, I'm very proud of. It. Pulling it back adds just a new perspective, going third person and having that like over the shoulder and to the side. Uh, 
allows more space. It also kind of resembles some of the From games, who uh, another developer who seems to have like some lineage in like Shadowgate style or you know their Kingsfield series. Uh, yeah. Um, how do you pull from those influences, and uh, how do you differentiate? The market's really full of these like Souls-like games. Were you afraid of that? Ah. Uh... I, I, I will say that it, it's obvious for anyone who sees Clash that there is an influence from uh, our, our, our passing through and playing uh, from software games. Uh, I, I, I'm a fan, but I'm not that big of a fan. I, I, I mean, I'm hardcore fans of the from software games have played everything they ever get uh, put out there, and I've played most of it but not all of it uh mm. i'm very very big fan of bloodborne but i would say that's like the the game that really caught my attention i didn't even beat elden ring damn you fire giant i've never played that again sure. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh that, I, I threw it in the towel after that um <laughs> but bloodborne uh, i did beat it several times even the dlc and mm. that game i feel was uh really stood out because of uh, something that we try to achieve even our, our, our own studio, which is such a unique visual style. I, I feel Bloodborne is at another level than the other from software games in a, in a, in a sense that it just doesn't do like medieval fantasy sort of uh, visuals. It goes for this um, mix of this uh, almost like uh, werewolves and vampires and stuff then all the way to the cosmic horror and mixes it in such an interesting way the level design everything so it's a the visual world is so striking it's so interesting and the game mechanics uh it took it took me a while to 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 get used to it at first i sucked at bloodborne it was my first from software game and i mm -hmm. At first, I couldn't get past anything, and I thought the game was horrible, and I, I really didn't understand why so many people liked it. Sure. But it takes, uh, once you get the hang of it, then um, it becomes a, a really memorable experience. So uh, with Clash, I feel that we wanted to, we definitely wanted to tap into something that was a little bit more in on on, on the side of the design of the... Uh, that would um, that would be interesting for people who play from software games. I think what's most interesting maybe is the way that it kind of wraps around the world and how things interconnect in a way that yes. Bloodborne might. So, uh, what could that tell us about world design in Clash? And maybe maybe we should just pitch the game. I think uh, more people need to know about this game than know about it currently. Yeah, unfortunately, my only regret I would say that from from a point of view, and and this might kind of kind kind of might seem a little bit whiny from from my from my recap, but I feel that um, it, it's pretty evident that uh, there's a lot of indie studios trying to do uh, games that are very heavily inspired on from from software yeah uh, titles. It's it's not new at all. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of them. Yeah, and I For do about a decade, right? It's been going on. Yeah, it's yeah. been going on, and you get over and over and over. And I would say that one thing I feel people who play from software games, I wish would have more um, 
they would be more open to play games that don't have the aesthetics of the from software games because if you look at them you can almost pretty much see that the the titles that emulate the from software experience even to the visual style of their games tend to right. be the most notable ones because mm -hmm. people say oh look at this this is so similar to what uh from software does i'm interested mm -hmm. We, on the other hand, we did something that was drastically different from, from, from them. So what happens is that, in a sense, I think very few people actually know that it is a game that belongs to that almost a subcategory sub of games, because they probably see it and, and maybe look at it and say it's maybe an action-adventure game that akin to, I don't know, more like an action game like a God of War or something. Uh, but they, very. I do feel that so many games, uh, the Wukong games, Lies of P, uh, so many of the indie games, they they also go for the for the visual style, and right. that 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 does give you the benefit that the, you're immediately like catering to the the crowd of people who play uh from some from software titles and so i i wish more people would like open up and say look there there's other titles that also mm -hmm. belong belong into into this genre I, I don't know if there are other titles i know there have been uh, others that maybe mm -hmm. have been successful but they tend to all more conform to the the visual design and the visual language that has been proposed by by from software from software themselves it's always seemed to me that there need to be more from the press to kind of elevate what you guys are doing. Uh, in some way, there's uh, also a clash between like player and press expectation with the, seems like especially the new game, but uh, also um, celebrating the original and unique voices like within games that are kind of doing the same thing that a lot of people would like if they really investigated. Uh, how do you feel about that divide with this game? Is that frustrating? I mean, I won't lie that I, we were a little bit frustrated with the press with the uh, clash on um, because it's uh, just like this is completely factual. It's our best rated game on Steam, so it has the highest user rating of any of our titles. Right. Uh, and it didn't get that good of a coverage from the press when it launched, which was weird from our point of view because we've had games that have been much better received by, by, by the press. All our games, most of our games have a pretty high uh, high um, user score like uh, on, on Steam. So, uh, but Clash edges out above even the best of them. I mean, it, it's, it's at 95% approval rating, which is uh, for us quite in, in, in impressive. So, um, I feel that one of the problems that the press has is that um, I think the problem is that they play games. They've got they fall into the same trap that games that are this games these days are designed pretty similar yeah. between all of them. So. So, for instance, if we're going into the the territory of uh, talking about from software games, mm -hmm. if you're playing a from software a game based on the mechanics from from software, 
you almost immediately know what to do and what to expect. And these games are frustrating. Um, they're difficult. They require a lot of learning. But if you already have the experience of having played a From Software title, then a lot of the frustration, you went through it when you played the AAA version, mm. and you're trained on into coming into this game knowing what you should be doing, and then you can sort of like say, okay, this is the expectation uh, that, that from, from what the game uh, expects from me. But what we did in Clash is that we went and invented something that was required a level of investment uh, and engagement from the players, which wasn't the same thing that you would see in a From Software games. Which and, and I could be very direct what this is. This is the um, the combat mechanic, the canceling mechanic, which is completely unique right. to the Clash games. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, to Clash alone, not the previous Xeno Clash. Right. And you can clearly see that the players who actually tick with it find it absolutely fascinating. It is definitely, I feel Clash innovates in, 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 in an aggressive st style, like a design of approaching combat mm -hmm. in, 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 the, in the style of like a third person action games that is completely unique and you, you will not find it anywhere else. But if you play like a either button mesh or with the mentality of a from software game, which is jump, uh, like attack, roll, attack, roll, attack, roll, which is more akin to like seeing enemy patterns, figuring mm -hmm. out their animations and, and stuff, which is, which is the, which is a very valid and, and excellent design that from software has mastered. You're not giving yourself enough time to actually understand what we, what we put out there. Mm. So I feel that uh, sometimes game journalists, it's they fall into the trap of wanting to give the game a review relatively quick, so they have the. I'm trying to explain to figure out why we get we got such a high of course a, yeah. a high level of acceptance for the game from the players' point of view. It seems like maybe so uh, from the press. It seems, seems like, like maybe they, uh, active investment in those systems yeah. and uh, rewriting your expectations for like, okay, maybe I just stand to block or maybe if I use too much of my uh, attack stamina, I'll get hurt more, you know? Maybe yeah. just having to unwrite those in your head is a block okay. for reviewers. I, 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 think, I, I think that that might have been what went through. Yeah. Again, it's not that it got bad reviews. It got, yeah, they're, it good. Get, it, they're good. I mean, for the most part, we got a lot of celebration about the visual style and everything. But there was, a, I mean, it was super weird when Rock Picker Shotgun wrote that it was move, move aside Elder Ring, that the new, newest, hardest game in town is Clash. And it was, for me, it was just like mind boggling. I mean, there's <laughs> no way on earth, there's no way on earth that Clash is, is harder. <laughs> than Elden Ring. I mean, no, sure. Yeah. No, 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 no. And that, that for me makes makes me click. Like this person, whoever played this, is not engaging in the game the way it was meant to be played. You mm -hmm. didn't, and and you could say, okay, but the, maybe that's the developer's fault because he wasn't managed, wasn't capable of maybe tutorializing it or mm. giving you enough of a ramp of difficulty in order. 
but then why do we have a 95% approval rating on Steam? Like, it seems to be that the gamers got it. Maybe we have a subselection of gamers that are very hardcore gamers, but I don't mm -hmm. think so. I, I feel it has to do more with time invested actually playing the game versus, uh, and that some games just require more, more time to dive into. And so that's the typical double-edged sword that we 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 have in at Ace Team, like the attempt at always trying to innovate on everything has a benefit that you stand apart from the crowd, like your games clearly look nothing like the other ones, but you also have to build so much from scratch. You cannot stand on the shoulders of other titles, which is something you see much much more frequently done in. In, in games because games tend to have like this common language in game design they don't mm -hmm. deviate that much from that though from that standard la language in game design um so even if you look at the previous game that we did the eternal cylinder which was really celebrated by the press we actually yeah. got, got we got nominated it's our best reviewed game so Eternal Cylinder is our best reviewed game and Clash is our best player reviewed game. So <laughs> we're, we're pretty happy about that. Yeah, you're doing well. Our, 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 our two previous games have been. So it was uh, Eternal Cylinder was actually nominated for the Seamus McNally Grand Prize at the IGF. So one of the top five indie games of, that, that, uh, of the year, according to the IGF. So really proud of the, uh, how well that did. But that game was also, oh my God, it was so much work actually getting people to understand what you needed to do because the game was yeah. so 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 different to anything else out there. Is that is that necessary like part of your game designs? Do you need invention? Like a Rock of Ages just amazed me because it was like a a few things I love. It's like super monkey ball and then like real time strategy or like tower defense <laughs> in a way. Like uh, how did you how do you come into like such interesting designs and and is that crucial for you to make a game? Do you need that invention? <laughs> I think that all our games are always going to have something that separates them from, from the other games maybe in the same genre. So we have games which are a little bit less uh, crazy, like the, they are a little bit more grounded. I don't know what the word is. Sure. <laughs> um, and other games that are absolutely like really far, far away. I would say Eternal Cylinder stands as probably the most unique, different like experience. So in terms of design, like Hold we had to. Which is your grounded game? I'm not sure which one. That's um. the sort of thing you you'll find it quite hilarious. But when we tried to do the Deadly Tower of Monsters, yeah. one of the things that we told ourselves was we have to do at least one grounded game. Like we have to do one <laughs> totally normal, totally standard, like very traditional game. And yeah. let's see how we do with that. But if <laughs> it's like in our nature, we fail because the game, even the Deadly Tower, if you look at it, it's a, uh, it's like one of these top down uh, sort of, a, it was inspired by the success that we had seen for Bastion. Yeah. And so we said, and, uh, so there's a lot of these games on this genre where you have like a, your avatars from top down perspective, kind of RPG or action RPG. 
So we said, we want to do something, but why don't we do it vertical? And already that changes. Like, <laughs> and then you have the metafiction behind that whole game and what's going on with the commentary. Yeah. <laughs> so at the it end, goes deeper. We, it goes deeper and we made it weirder and weirder and weirder <laughs> and totally miserably failed at doing a normal game. Uh, so uh, I wonder when will be the time we'll actually come out with a normal game. It might be the next one. We're actually, I can't say what it is. We're actually working on something new. Mm. It has some very creative things in it, but um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, it, it's in the DNA of the designers and for better or for worse, that's, that's been what we, we've done over the years. Is there like a privilege to fail there? Like, is there a, a risk? If there's a risk in creativity, is that more rewarding for you? Uh, I definitely think that um, the fact that we always are trying to do something new gives us um, a lot of, uh, like, I don't think the studio would be standing, uh, it might be financially more successful if we mm. would have, for instance, taken the approach of repeating the same formula over and over and over and perfecting it which is something i also see a lot of studios do so for instance they will succeed with one game one particular game and design and style of game and genre and they do the two then three and then maybe they do a game that is a spin-off or something but they always remain relatively safely within the uh, scope and the design and they perfect basically the tools the technology, the investment into perfecting this specific game. So for instance, Bungie hasn't changed, and I haven't been going into a AAA studio, but uh, mm -hmm. but you can get the idea in indie game studios. This they used to be but, an Apple developer, right? They used to yeah. make small shooter games like Doom, and then yeah. and they haven't changed since then. They haven't changed. They've been doing basically, because... I'm not a big. Uh, I I was big. Uh, I was a big fan of Marathon even before. One of my favorite games. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. It's absolutely for me. When they talk about Cortana, I uh, know it's Duranda. Duranda yes. is, is, is the badass AI uh, from the Bungie series. No one knows who he is basically <laughs> because so few people actually played Marathon. But um, if you think about it, they've been doing the space shim space shooter thing forever for what 30 years or more now yeah, yeah. so they they specialize to a point where every single iteration of the game gets better and better and better so that definitely leads you to potentially more success because you're basically dealing with known variables and mm. you can uh you don't have the level of risk of having to throw everything throwing out of the window out uh, through the window and start from scratch and have to start with something completely new. But I feel uh, I don't know if the people like the core team that we have has stayed with us like for all these years, and I think that part of it comes from the satisfaction of having so many new interesting challenges every single time we dive into a new game and uh that's very rewarding i mean 
every game that we've done has been such a different challenge. And every game that we've done has also been uh, frustrating in a sense that you have to throw away everything you did from the right. previous game. You flush it down the toilet and say, okay, we're starting from scratch. Uh, I, you can't imagine how many technology we had to innovate and do on the Unreal Engine to get like these procedurally large worlds, which has everything destructible in an eternal cylinder. You have to have the AI react to the cylinder the world being destroyed, the world being flattened, and so many things that were all absolutely un unusable in, in Clash. Sure. In Clash, you start and you're doing a completely different game. Uh, so they become these very titanic uh, challenges, especially for a studio which isn't that large, we're like 25 people only. So you have to... Um, start all over and you things that maybe other studios will inherit from the previous games like the ai gets improved the enemies or the weapons get improved but they're basically iterations of the same code that they've been dealing with with for years yeah uh, in, our, in our case no we, we have to go all and do it all over again what's the game development scene like in chile is it is it growing do you feel like it's different than when you started it's had its ups and downs. I would say that the studios that do games uh, like us basically almost don't exist. Mm -hmm. And that, but there are newcomers that have come into the scene. Some of them have come into the scene and exited. And there are some new which are coming into the scene and have had have, have success. So, for instance, that the Abstract Digital and Dual Effect together did a game called Tormented Souls, which did pretty well, and mm -hmm. they're doing a sequel now. So those are from Chile. Um, and I would say they would represent a studio that's on like from like a, looks a little bit like what we were back in the when we started. So yeah. Was it, to them. They, did, they, they, did it feel like an unusual path for you? Like, uh, are people surprised when you're in game development? Or is that uh, normalized now? No, I would say no one expects you to be a game developer in Chile. Like, if you go sure. to Forest, for instance, the doctor's appointment, and he asks you what you do for work, and you say you're a game developer. It's like, whoa. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's, 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 it's a very unusual, unusual answer here. I would say... I don't know if in maybe in the US or in the Europe you say you're a game developer. It, I I would assume people would say, oh cool. Well, like like it, it is a cool job. I mean, yeah. but maybe it's not as rare as, as <laughs> it is, but here you no one does. It's minuscule. The, the 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 game development scene is very small. And for the most part, the majority of the studios are still pretty small. You know, here in Seattle, it's just a, a different kind of scene. There is Bungie and, you know, uh, Microsoft, Nintendo, everyone seems to be around. But I prefer to talk to either small local studios or or places from the outside because it's such an interesting perspective looking uh, from the outside in and seeing how you're developing games and the commonalities and differences. Uh, what do you feel like the differences are? <sighs> I'm not sure because uh, um, I think a lot of people tr 
think about equating the fact that our games are so different due to the fact that our studio is located in Chile, so it must mean that Chilean people are maybe are super creative in that sense. Yeah. But if you were to look at the other indies games that have been done here of like the, the core indie games that you would see launched on Xbox or Steam, they are as traditional as you would see other and I'm not saying that as a as a as a criticism because yeah, of course. that is the that is the majority of the game industry. I mean, um there are so many awesome indie games developed that tend to cater to more traditional designs. They're very well good. They're very highly polished games that get uh, a lot of attention and, and they do very well. But they're not, re- you, you, you don't look at them and say, ah, look at this. These guys were clearly going for orig- originality or a very unique visual identity or style. But no, they're, they're playing through their strengths and they're, they're doing something. So, uh, so for instance, the two examples that I can use aside from, from here, um, well, Tormented Souls is a is a game that uh, it's like a, re- a retro Resident Evil, and they do that very well. Um, and the other game that was popular here that had uh, popular that, that 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 had a little bit of an impact here uh, was Omen of Sorrow, which was a two D fighter uh, like uh, it was pretty much inspired by Darkstalkers, so a fighting mm. game like a traditional two D fighting game. Like Street Fighter uh, yeah. with enemies, but both of them. If you were to maybe try to talk about uh, those two games and take them as like examples, you wouldn't say, "Oh, look at Chilean games; they're so far out there." It's only our studio that seems to be like more bonkers. So, <laughs> well, you'd <laughs> be singular maybe... anywhere, right? There's yeah, there's no one making games quite like you guys do uh, anywhere out there. Um, is there like a game market there? Are people playing games as a, a common thing they do there? I'm pretty sure that the general Chilean population plays games like everywhere sure. else. I would say that the, the most popular games that are popular elsewhere are still the most popular games. Still the same here. stuff there. I would say there's a lot of people playing the soccer games here because soccer is very mm-hmm. strong so the fifa and winning 11 and the soccer simulation games are all going to do extremely well because it's south america um so i i would expect the same to be the case for argentina brazil colombia and all, all, all the countries of the region so i would say that maybe that's unique about games in the region but i would say that call of duty still must be one of the best selling games so here counter-strike and destiny and the same games our games actually don't do well at all in chile we that's what i was curious about really no 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 no. our games are much more well received uh uh, outside of uh, the country than actually here so Mm. i i haven't done this experiment for years but i do know that in in the past our biggest markets were the u.s and the u.s the uk russia and germany and then france so definitely uh i think western world markets and and china okay yeah so 
uh, not that many Chilean people know about our work. But if you look at it, yeah, I can also understand that we've never done our games a lot to cater to Chilean taste. They're all in English. They have weak names that are difficult to pronunciate in, in, in Spanish. Hmm. I mean, Monty Python is English. It's not, yes. <laughs> it's not like it's something, even the sense of humor from the Monty Python is not something that's very akin to the sense of humor of um, Chilean people. And that might be, and that's something that's very personal because uh, my dad liked uh, Monty Python humor and I, I, I lived with my brothers uh, some years in the States when we were young. So I, I have a different cultural background than, than a lot of people. Well, we're a movie website person. You say you have like a lot of cinematic uh, influences and, I've been writing about games for you know many years. I I think I reviewed even Rock of Ages and maybe Zeno Clash on an old indie website and got a lot of folks playing it there. Um, so I've been playing your stuff for a long time. Um, but what are the what are the movies that really influenced you in your studio? The number one, I would say, the definitely the the movie that I would say the most um, representative is. Uh, the Dark Crystal. Dark Crystal, I could see it. Sure. The Dark Crystal is a really favorite of at least of the brothers here. It's a movie that uh, I found really striking when I was uh, growing up. And if you look at it, 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 it's exactly that which I was criticizing at the beginning, that it's a fantasy set in a world where the it's really different to anything else that you've seen there. So you'll never see a movie like that done these, no. these days. There's no way anyone's going to do a movie with such an unusual concept. Mm. So it, it feels almost frustrating how homogeneous things have become. So we live now in the superhero Marvel Comics age and uh, everything looks so similar to each other you could actually like sort of grab the characters of one movie and put them in another movie and they wouldn't even not match i mean they would almost seem as characters from the same movie mm. you see that happening in games and and all sorts of media you cannot grab the skexes yeah and put them in the lord of the rings people they would wouldn't say, make sense yeah why what are these <laughs> birds doing there it's weird they just don't match. Hmm. Um, so The Dark Crystal is, is amazing. It's a movie where you can clearly see there's so much love from the, the from the, from the people who made it. Not, not even the forced scenes had like regular plans. You, the, the guys actually took the time to make a lot of like fictional vegetation so that sure. the, the place would look like a place that you're not actually um from this world and in yeah. class we try in class we try to do that as also and, and that's that's one of the such big challenges that you have when you're a small indie studio trying to do a game that you cannot compare to anything else because for instance a a, a pretty good example i've repeated so many times uh, if you're doing a 3d world with mm. complex animations characters and um, environments and I have to tell my art are my art guys. I need to do a tree. Look at this tree 
and I show him an image of the trees that you see in Clash, yes. he has to make that tree. Right. A developer, even from Ubisoft or Rockstar or whatever, will go to Speed Tree. And you do Speed Tree, Auto Tree, yeah. Auto Tree, Tree Library, whatever, because we live already in a time in which game development is very tailored and has become very sophisticated for being able to develop and have the, a stream like a pipeline that's streamlined for the, the for for the creation of assets of the real world. So if you want a a, a a forest of pine pine cone trees, you can get that relatively easily um, without that much uh, investment, and you'll have a, the materials, the meshes, the all the different uh, assets required for coming up with that visual identity relatively quickly. But <laughs> the, in, in our case, we have to start like from scratch. You have to start modeling the tree, doing all the 3D artwork, and then you have to do the composition. How are you going to put it? How are you going to create this world from scratch? So making Clash for me as a game developer feels like what it must have felt for the people who did um, the, the Dark, Dark Crystal, Crystal, the Jim Henson company, the there. Jim Henson, yeah. what they had to do, and the Dark Crystal. If if it were up to me, I wish it would have sold and was more famous than even the Lord of the Rings because I, yeah. I find it that it's it's so so interesting. so interesting. But it's a niche, totally niche movie, which must have done okay, not incredible, because I think a lot of people look at it and find it. This is too weird. <laughs> sure. Like, uh, no, this is not. This is not like uh, I don't know what this is, and they'd rather go to something that's more conventional. And yeah, um, yeah. well, that's 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 how the world works, and not something that's going to change anytime soon. And you will never get those beautiful pencil pencil sketch looking worlds like Clash. I, I hope more people try this game and and your last game as well. Uh, thank you so yeah. much, Carlos. Well, it's been very fun talking, and um, yeah. Uh, I really appreciate you. Is there anything you want to leave people with or tell them about your games that that uh, you wish everyone knew about? Well, I would tell people definitely. Um, to try out Clash Artifacts of Chaos. Um, I think people, one of the things that uh, like to, as a closing remark about that game that, that we didn't discuss is that the story is really beautiful. Mm. And as we were making the game, uh, I, 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 I've had devs, not only the studio, but people who have come to us and comments of people on the in, in YouTube videos, they say, they say that they actually cried with the game. It's a very, very impactful story, uh, especially if you have children. So I think it's a really beautiful game. Uh, one of the best, if not the best, we ever made. So uh, check it out every day. Yeah, I'm going to get my daughter to watch Dark Crystal tonight. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye-bye. Take care. Pleasure. <laughs>